0: Well, Happy New Year. I am so excited to see so many bright and shiny happy faces this morning. I'll tell you, I want to give you a little window into how, um, how big of a partier I am. I, I, I went to bed at 8.30 last night. And then I woke up promptly at midnight. And stayed awake for about an hour as all of the rest of our neighbors made sure that we rang in the new year with fireworks. It was amazing. We uh, Honestly, it's one of those things that uh, as you think about how do you begin a new year, why is it that we choose to begin it tired and grumpy? But here's the thing. Regardless of whether you made it in here or you're joining us online, we want you to know that for this year, we are wanting great things for you. We want you to connect with our Lord and Savior Jesus and we want you to grow in your faith and we want you to really, truly understand what does it look like for me to be intentional in the way that I engage in my relationship with God. And as we're starting in January, we're going through a series that's called Intentional Prayer. We're kicking off 2023 with this look, on the, getting out on the right foot, asking, what does it look like if I really step into prayer? Not just simple prayer, not just easy, you know, um, rote prayer, what does it look like if I actually think that my prayers matter? And so we're going to encourage you to engage in prayer uh, starting next Sunday on the 8th. You know, thinking about our friends that are having a little bit hard time getting out of bed this morning. But on the 8th, we're going to start with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And it's going to be really intentional because what we want as our families to do, what we want you as an individual to do, is to really pray into what is it that God wants for me. Not for me, for you. What is it that God wants for you personally? But also, what is God doing in this body? What is God doing in this church? What is God doing when we look back in 366 days from now, and we look back and we say, oh my goodness, can you believe what God has done? What is it that God is bringing in front of us that we as a church need to be prayed up for so that we can have the source and have the power, and have all that we need to understand and to engage in obedience to what God is calling us. So I believe that this series is a great way to start out a year. And it is very, very fortunate that we start on a Sunday, January 1st, because here we are, and we're worshiping our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So what we're doing in this intentional look is we're going to be intentional in our spiritual life, we're going to be intentional in our growth. Because I believe this, if our prayer, if our prayer life increases, our life increases. And when you think about prayer, I don't know about you, I mean, as Melanie had mentioned just before, uh, sometimes we kind of get in these easy prayers, the ones that we just learned, you know, the ones for food the ones for going to bed, now I lay me down to rest. We learn those prayers, and we repeat those prayers, and there is comfort in those prayers. But just as in our relationship with God, if there's not maturity in our prayers, there's something wrong. Now, maturity is an interesting thing, because there's two ways to come about having maturity. We have this, this, this place where our, our thoughts go to, uh, I don't know, I've been accused of being immature. Anyone else in here been immature? Yeah, okay. I'm hoping to grow out of it this year, we'll see. But uh, with my repertoire of bad jokes and sometimes my willingness to play more than do chores, I'm not sure how that's gonna go. Some of us in here though have been guilty of presenting too much maturity. In fact, we have people say, why are you so serious? Learn to laugh a little, relax, no big deal. Can you just let it slide off? Can you, can you let it roll off like water on a duck's back? That kind of thing. But every single one of us in here have pretended to be more mature than we really are. You don't, you don't agree with me? Think back to middle school. Right? Think back to that first day on your first real job. Right? So, really, there are two ways that we go about gaining maturity. The first one is this by passing of time. This is a passive way to gain maturity. It basically means that you get older, you get chronologically older, you get wrinkles, you get gray hair, you get all of the stuff that comes with the passing of time, you get the memory issues, you get all of that stuff that happens. And so maturity comes by being passive. But the second way is this work and development. That's active maturity. It's when we choose to mature through our choices, through the things that we experience, the way that we go about our lives, through these choices that we make, and the effort that we put into becoming mature, we then work into being better. We work into being more able. We work into being more confident, which leads me to a question as we begin this morning. Have you matured in your prayers? Have you matured in your prayer life? Have you matured in the way that you view prayer? Or have you remained passive? If we began with the rote chairs, rote chairs, rote prayers of our childhood, God is great, God is good, let us thank him for this food, right? Now I lay me down to sleep. And we have these rote prayers that we can just recite without thinking. Have we truly matured? If we believe that God only exists today to bless our food and to give us safe travels or to look over us while we sleep, we're missing something about prayer. And I will tell you that your prayer life is not matured. But have you then worked and developed a mature prayer life? Do you pray for other people? Do you pray for them not in that they would get what they deserve, but that God would grow in them, that God would bring his His life into them? Do you pray to connect with God? Do you believe that God answers? In other words, the question is, have you learned to pray from the heart? Have you learned to pray from the very depths of your soul? Because one thing I do know about prayer is it is absolutely, deeply personal. Because our prayers to our Heavenly Father are are an extension of our very being. They're an extension of the the very core of our heart's needs. And learning to pray with your heart is absolutely unmistakable. And others see it. Others admire it. How many of you have people that you know that if you ask them to pray, they're going to pray? How many people do you know that if you ask them to pray, that their prayers are going to rock the throne room of heaven? That's the kind of prayer that comes from a heart. There's a connection and a depth and a realness to a heart's prayer. But here's the thing, if we've struggled in that, now I tell you what, I'll be the first to tell you, that I have struggled in prayer and I have struggled in understanding how to pray, what to pray, when to pray. If praying is actually a good thing, if it actually does anything, I've struggled in all of these things. I've struggled in dryness of prayer. I've struggled in in those moments where I just feel like I cannot connect to God. My, My words are bouncing off the walls and off the ceiling and it just doesn't seem like anything is moving. And I'll tell you that as a pastor, when you pray prayers like that, it scares you. But we always assume that there's this right way to pray, that there has to be some sort of formula, there has to be some better way because what we're doing isn't working. Because, you know, I remember being 12 years old and praying for that Lamborghini, and it didn't happen. I remember being uh, a few years older and praying for the healing of my grandparent and it didn't happen. And I just figured it's because I didn't have the right way to pray. I didn't have that formula that got results. Like there's some sort of secret to getting the things that we want. So we think, maybe this is it. If I sound more professional, If I I add a few things, like if I if I sound more more professional, more mature, if I add some like vows and these and and maybe uh, pray in King James, you know, if I if I sound professional in this, that I'm more mature in my prayers, that I can get it, and that God will do it. And I find myself feeling. That in my prayers, I become corporate with God. In my professional, my mature prayers, I become so corporate in how I relate to my Heavenly Father. We think that if I can just make it, can I bring myself into this spot where I can be more mature? And so we think, okay, if I, if I go talk to the pastor, maybe. If I talk to the pastor and I, and I make my, my, uh, my prayer a little bit more known, and I get my professionalism, my maturity, if I get those things in line then maybe it will be okay. And we find ourselves continually getting to the same thing over and over and over. Basically, we get into ruts. We pray for the exact same thing over and over and over again. But here's the problem. When we pray for those things over and over and over again, we put ourselves in this place where we really aren't even sure that God's listening. And we're not even sure that change is going to happen. And we pray because it just feels like something that we should do. And in our ruts in our prayers, we we get bored. We just find ourselves lacking something. Every now and then, though, we might spice our prayer up just a little bit, you know, just to see if God was listening. You know, hey, I, you know, God, uh, if you're if you're listening to this, God. Would you make this happen? Right? And we kind of just spice it all up. But when we get into these ruts in our prayers, we end up choosing to be passive over passion. Because prayer is not a memorized speech, it's entering into a conversational, intimate conversation with our Heavenly Father. Prayer is sacred communication. But I think there's something else that you need to know about prayer. And if you understand this, if you understand this statement, you're going to, it's going to change the very way in which you engage in prayer. It'll change the way that you invest yourself in prayer. It's something that you need to know. know, And what you need to know is this, when you pray, God listens. When you pray, your heavenly father hears your prayers. He listens. And more than that, God wants to hear from you. So God hears your prayers and he wants to hear your prayers. He cares what you have to say. He knows what you carry in secret. In fact, our heavenly father knows those things that maybe we don't even know about ourselves. But our heavenly father wants to hear from you because your prayers, they matter. They matter to him. The prayers that you pray matter to your heavenly father because that communication builds intimacy and intimacy pulls away all of the boundary, all of the things, the stumbling blocks, the, the things that are keeping us away from our heavenly Father. Our prayers lay us bare before him. Our prayers, they matter. They matter to others. Anyone in here ever asked someone to pray and then you knew that they prayed because you felt it? Now, we're not being all, all crazy in here. This is actually the way that God works. When we intercede on behalf of others, God strengthens them. God helps them. God provides for them. This is not anything that is, is off the charts. This is just real. God is in our lives. He cares about you, He wants to hear from you. Your prayers matter. Your prayers matter for others, and your prayers matter for you. It matters what you pray, when you pray, how you pray, because there's a lot at stake in our prayer life. How we pray matters. What we pray matters. The writer of Hebrews, in talking about our our approach to God said this, in Hebrews chapter four, start in verse 16. Let us then with confidence, Anyone in here lack confidence? Wow, I'm confident that I lack confidence. That's awesome. Now you have confidence. Let us then with confidence draw near, draw near to the throne of grace. We lack confidence and we avoid the throne of grace. Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy We shrink back. We dare not approach God, this holy God that that has everything in control. We shrink back. We aren't confident. And we continue to walk the same path of pain and the same path of shame that we may receive mercy and grace to help in time of need. We shy away from prayer and we wonder why we don't live in grace. This confident mercy and grace receiving prayer begins. This this mercy, confident mercy and grace prayer begins within us. And it's powerful. It's meaningful. And it will change your life. Our prayers move us towards God. You know something else our prayers do? They shape us into the image of his son. Our confidence in prayer, our approach to God is hindered sometimes, though, because we have barriers in our lives to prayer we have these things that we carry, these objections that we have. We say, God would never listen to a person with me, like me because I know the things that I do. I know the things that I think, I know the things that I say, I know the things that I interact in. And we put barriers in our prayers, assuming that God doesn't already see them that our Heavenly Father doesn't want to talk to us until we clean ourselves up. There's all this noise that happens around us. Sometimes it's actual noise from family, sometimes it's noise from our work, sometimes it's noise from the television, from the latest uh, series that we're binge watching on streaming. You know, we have all this noise that kind of keeps us from engaging with God. We have outside pressure, But probably one of the more dangerous things that happens in our lives that keeps us from engaging our our Heavenly Father in prayer is that we're comfortable. I'm comfortable. I don't need anything. I'm okay. If it's not our comfort, then it's our fear. Our fear keeps us from engaging God. The stress that happens in our life but the first and the most difficult barrier that we will ever have to prayer, it comes from within. It's my heart. It's your heart. Because my heart, it knows what so many don't. It knows those things that when you look in the mirror that you can't see past. It knows those things that when you walk into a room, you feel everybody sees. My heart knows. It knows my fears. It knows my failures. It knows my indiscretions. Because my heart knows how far I am from God. my heart knows how much I don't look like his son. And I think of, in the Old Testament, there's a, there's a, a king called David. You know him as the guy that came on the scene as, as first being chosen to be the next king. Then, then he came in with a sling and killed a giant and he killed a uh, you know, and, and he moved through all of this history eventually to be chased down by the reigning king. But ultimately was vindicated and became the king of Israel. And when we think about David, we've been told that David had, had a, was a man after God's own heart. And we watch through the pages of scripture where David acted in a way that didn't look like God's heart. But David knew something that we tend to judge others for and judge ourselves in. Is that God knows that you will fail. God knows that you have shortcomings. And God knows that you will continue to strive and sometimes not make progress. But God knows that he, in the fullness of time, sent his son to redeem your heart. In the fullness of time, God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins, to die on the the cross for the things that separated you from God so that you could have a full relationship, an intimate relationship with your heavenly father. And the one thing that I do appreciate about David And I think really the reason why he's called a man after God's own heart is that we find that David knew what it was like to pray with raw emotion. He knew what it was like to pray with utmost sincerity, to bring up to God the things that you knew didn't stack up, to know how to pray with just open emotion and sincerity because here's the thing, we can't escape ourselves. In fact, in Psalm 139, starting in verse 23, this is what David said. He said, search me, O God. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me. Anyone in here scared to ask that? He continues, try me and know my thoughts. God, would you search me? Would you open my heart bare? Would you, would you, would you then evaluate my thoughts? Oh. Can we pray for our meal instead? Try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. David says, God, you, I want you to take my heart open and lay it bare and God, I want you to evaluate, to weigh, to judge my thoughts. And tell me what's in here that doesn't line up with you. Don't leave me there. Don't leave me bare. Instead, Lord, lead me in the way everlasting. I believe if we can learn to pray those kinds of prayers... It will change the world. David prayed this prayer, wanting the challenge and the result of God intervening in his own thoughts, God, that God would give him the answer. God, would you search me? God, would you search my heart? Would you search my thoughts? Would you search and see if there's anything that's oppressive? See if there's anything that's anxious? See if there's anything, God, that that pulls me away from you. God, see if there's anything that's a barrier that keeps me from learning your ways to walking in your way everlasting. Search me, God, and find my sin. So I want us to learn to lean in and pray, God, would you uncover my thoughts? Open my heart to see the things that cause pain within me. But I want to caution you, don't pray this prayer unless you're willing to hear the answer. because this prayer will bring conviction. This prayer will open up your mind to see the things that you do that you thought were good things, but they weren't God things. It will open your heart and your mind to correction, to moving from one path into a path of righteousness. It will be redirective praying a prayer of an open heart laid bare before God will change everything about you if you choose to act on it. Because this prayer, it will change the way that you see yourself. And as you pray this prayer and work through the things that God shows you, it'll change the way that others see you. And more than that, it'll change the way that you see others. And praying this prayer and moving in this direction may feel a little surprising to you because you say, you know what? God already knows my heart. God already knows what's going on inside of me. God knows what I've told him is going on inside of me you ever prayed an empty prayer to god god if you will just let me pass this test i promise to show up at church on sunday right god if you'll just let my parents not find out that this and so happened i will sing in the praise team anyone ever done that anyone doing that today God knows my heart. He knows your heart. But I think the bigger question is this. Do you really know your heart? Do you really know what's in your heart? You say, listen, I've got a good heart. I've lived a long enough life to know that I'm going to make better decisions than I used to when I was a kid when I was in, you know, my 20s. But do you really know what's in your heart? Do you really know what's behind your motives? You say, I'm a good person. I I just want to do right. So I'll do my best at work and I'll do my best at my studies and I'll do my best to, to care for my family. But I believe that in everybody's heart, there's some things that they just can't see that you don't even know. Because here's the one thing that I know is 100% true. Every single person in here are liars. Because the bottom line is we lie to ourselves. We lie to ourselves. We justify our actions against the actions of others. We justify why we said what we said because they deserved it. Well, if if I don't tell them, well, who's going to tell them? We lie to ourselves and we call ourselves good. When the prophet Jeremiah said this about the human heart. He said, the human heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? The NLT says it this way. Who really knows how bad it is? Our heavenly father does. And our Heavenly Father knows that our hearts deceive us. Because the bottom line of an unchanged, untransformed heart is about ourselves. It's about making sure that we are taken care of. It's about ourselves. It's not about Jesus. It's about the temporary things, not the eternal things. About what's easy. Not about what's right. It's about what we want, not about what God wants. But Jesus came to transform our hearts. Jesus came to transform our hearts and without Jesus, our hearts are stuck. Jesus not only forgives, but he transforms and he makes us new. You say, but wait, my heart is kind. I'm a good person. Our hearts lie, and it covers to make us feel better. In short, our hearts just lie. The heart lies. Did you know that we lie several times a day? You ever say something and not know why you said it? You ever say a lie just not to hurt somebody's feelings? Husbands, I don't want to call you out. But if you ever commented on a haircut that you didn't notice, we lie to make ourselves look good. Okay, not a lie. We just kind of exaggerate. We say to ourselves, Look, "This year, this year, I'm going to exercise. This year, I'm going to—I'm not going to eat too much. I'm not going to drink too much. I'm—I'm I'm only going to watch one more episode. That's it." And we rationalize things, and we—we we put ourselves in a better position than we maybe truly are. And we say, "Listen, it's not gossip. It's a prayer request." I just want you to know what's going on in their life so you can pray for them. It's gossip. It's not a problem. It just helps me relax at the end of the day. But when God searches our heart, here's what we find. We find out that we've been hypocritical. We've held other people to standards that we don't hold ourselves to. We are sinful we talk more than we walk. We pretend. We find in our hearts pride and selfishness and lust and idolatry. And the more we mature in, the faith, in our faith, the more we have to face where we fall short. The closer we get to Jesus, the more clear our view of ourselves becomes. We become more aware of our motives. We become more aware of the good things that aren't God things. And we can become more aware. And then when we ask God, God, would you search me? God, would you lay my heart bare? Would you open me up so I could see what you see? When our prayers no longer become this focus of God, do something for me. God, just do this for me. The more we mature, the more or the less we are looking for God to be a magic genie or a vending machine or just that padding on safe travels or the one that helps us find the closest parking space at the store or the one that makes us have green lights. Once we move past that, And we find that our maturity brings us to pray prayers that say, God, do something in me. God, search me, do something in me. Asking God to do something in you makes it possible for, for you to serve and become like Jesus. Do something in me, God. Remove the barriers. Remove those things. Remove the selfish motives. Remove everything that is pulling me away from you. And help me see as you see, God. So that I can do as you say. So will you pray the prayer? God, will you search me? God, will you reveal those things inside of me? that prevent me from being full on passionate in my relationship with you. God, will you bring to light my anxious thoughts? Will you you bring to light a path that I can walk on that helps me to move from being a person deceived by my own lies and walking in the way everlasting? God, will you search me? God, will you bring me to a place where I can be transformed? So God, will you search me? And I'm asking you, if you are serious about your relationship with Jesus, to start praying this prayer. God, will you search me? God, will you reveal the inmost thoughts. God, will you weigh them? God, will you help me to evaluate my heart against the image of your son? God, would you transform me? I hope that's your prayer. And I hope that you begin to pray today. And I want to warn you, though, if you're not serious about this, It's going to mess you up. When you start asking God to reveal these things, it means that you have to do something. It means that the status quo is a no-go. It means that you have to be obedient to what God shows you. I want to invite you to go all in in your prayers. And so the first prayer we're going to pray is, God, would you search me? Let's pray.